Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute, where social justice, human development, and community building come together. This is where you will meet activists, artists, teachers, scholars, helpers, and healers who are bringing creativity, hope, and possibility to individuals and communities all over the world. episode of All Power to the Developing. This is your host, Desiree Wanden, Des for short. And today I have a very, very special guest with me. I have community-based theater practitioner and researcher, Peter Harris. And Peter is a uh, practitioner, researcher, and a teacher over at Western Galilee College in Israel. How are you doing today, Peter? Hey, Des. Good to see you again. Yes, yes. Um, I'm very excited for this interview to learn a lot about your work. Uh, your work spans 50 years. Um, such an uh, illustrious, <laughs> long career there. A lot there. And you have such an interesting story. So this is going to be, um, I think, a great opportunity to learn a about your work and learn a little bit about, you know, um, something that is going on in the world right now that is having a major impact on uh, the world, let alone people. So I want to take this back, um, you know, when we say the word community-based theater, you know, theater is a thing that many people, have, some people have had an opportunity to go to, people have watched, people have some partaken in, right? Um, if you had the opportunity to be a part of it in maybe school or if you decide to pursue it, where does theater start for you or community-based theater? Well, I, I see myself more as a, a community activist or someone who wants to create change in the community. So that led me to community-based theater, or we call in Israel community theater, um, uh, using uh, everything that has to do with the artistic theater, but for the purpose of empowering communities and uh, giving communities a voice, a stage, a place to um, to to vent their own narrative, deal with their conflicts, and create discussion within communities on issues that may be uh, not uncovered in everyday life. And, and what set you on this path of taking more of the community-based approach as opposed to maybe just pursuing tra traditional storytelling through just traditional theater? Well, I, I'd say, uh, you, you know, where I start was more uh, working with um, with marginalized youth, uh, working in community. Uh, my, my first study was in education. Um, and so it, it was very natural for me. And then when I came to study my, my first degree in theater, there was an opportunity to do what they called at the time community or educational theater. And I said, okay, that's me. That that's that's what I want to do. And and then I was exposed to different teachers who who this was at the real onset, like uh late 70s of <laughs> of the last uh, hundred years. Uh and and um it, it was it it was suited me. I I'm, I'm 
I've done, you know, acting in my training, um, but but I find myself more of a director than an actor, and I'm more in the place of devising and uh, getting community on stage to tell their story. That's just, it, it, it fit me like a glove. Yeah. And did your work always center around the the issues of, of what is going on, the conflicts going on in Israel between Arabs and Jews, or did your work um, span different subject matters throughout your, your time? No, no, I'd say that um, mostly it was working with communities that um, didn't have an opportunity to tell their story, mm-hmm. marginalized communities, disadvantaged communities, or, or communities that are like uh, uh, categorized as as weaker communities. I, I've discovered that all communities have their strength and their beauty, uh, but but um, very often communities that have um, a conflict with the system. So there could be a, a neighborhood in in a city where I live in Tel Aviv, uh, defined as disadvantaged, um, lower on the economic scale uh not getting the the attention they deserve uh being of of ethnic uh, uh makeup that isn't the majority ethnic uh, uh group and so they want to tell their story they want to be on the, the the central stage and i i as a as a community theater director can enable this process oh. uh, which is a collaborative process the way I define the community theater director, as opposed to the uh, standard theater director, is the standard theater director is the king, is the person, is the one who makes all the decisions. Whereas a community theater has to compromise, uh, maybe uh, brings in the artistic uh, capabilities, but has to be in a dialogue with the community to enable them to tell their story. That's that's the main objective of doing community-based theater. So I've worked with kids, with youth, with adults, mostly adults, in different neighborhoods around the country um, over 50 years. You can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and and in Israel, I'm considered to be one of the the, the main innovators of this uh, of this uh, community art form. And what are, you know, when 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 I think of theater, you know, I think of the process of casting and finding actors and all of this. <laughs> this seems a bit different than that. It seems more so of integrating yourself within one's community or, or what you're designating it to be and then pulling stories or themes or concepts from these things. Is that how community theater is, is organized or what is the the creative process um, in community yeah. theater? The creative process is is a long-term workshop. It's not like a, a one-off thing. It, it, it can span a year, it can span years. I've worked with one community theater for, I think, seven years we've, we've, we've developed and, and created together. Um, and the, there are different, uh, um, dynamic exercises using theater using body using emotion uh to open up people to telling the story 
So the story could be the here and now. The story could be the history of this community, how it evolved. Um, then again, the casting. You said casting. So in 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 um, regular theater, you you cast according to the characters in the play. Uh, in community theater, which is bottom up, you look at the community and the people involved, and uh, uh, you have to give them the stage to perform on, but you also have to, they have to be the owners. They have to have ownership of their own story. Uh, and then again, uh, some may be very talented actors and others may be less, uh, but they still want to have their space. So when you create the, the theater the script, the text, and the characters that you build into it, you're taking into account all these capabilities. And sometimes someone who would not automatically be cast as an actor has a certain quality where he or she can fulfill a, a great role in that performance. So you're taking, uh, 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 you're taking and, and creating something positive out of something where you may not have seen that uh, 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 face value, uh, but mainly giving everyone an opportunity to feel that this is theirs. Um, then you find, you know, when you work in a community-based theater for a while, uh, different talents, is, talents are coming out. So one guy may play the guitar and, and, and he's into writing songs become musical director and then someone else who has a touch with uh, with painting and sculpting uh, uh, can be the, the, the designer uh, someone else will say listen I, I'm really not built for going on stage but can I be the assistant director can I be the producer can I look after props so the idea is to widen the circle in the community of people involved in this creative process uh, so that w when you have a final poster of the show, you want to have as many people from the community uh, cast as people who have been the creators of this thing. And, and w for me, as the director, it won't say I'm the director. It will say I'm a, a joint collaborator in a process. Um, so it it is actually, it's not easy for many theater people to think that way because it's, it's placing your ego to one side or it's sharing your ego with other people. And sometimes you have a, an idea, you think it's amazing. Yeah. And then the people say, well, listen, this is your idea. It's not us. You know, this is your fantasy. We don't share that fantasy because we come from a different culture. We, we like different music. Uh, we move differently. Um, we don't want to tell the story in this way. We, we have a, you know, we want to put up a real fight, a battle against our municipality or, 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 or our, uh, uh, system that doesn't support us enough. Uh, and, 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 you know, so you have to sort of decide if you're with them or against us. And then issues come into it, like, you know, someone is funding this. We've had issues like this, where someone will come along and say, listen, uh, you're getting uh, municipal funding for this theater, so 
you can't say this about the mayor, or you can't criticize the system, and 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 we'll say, well, excuse me, you know, this is what we're doing. Mm. So either we do it, or you close us down. Usually, we've been on the winning side. Yeah. One thing. One thing I get from you, as you're speaking, um, Peter, and and a word that you used a lot so far is the story, right? Yeah. It seems to be yeah. like the main emphasis and like the mm-hmm. main objective of this all, like to tell the story, not uh, strip it of its truth, not uh, share it in a way that's palatable for people. Um, tell the story. What do you think is the benefit of, of people, of these community members um, being able to see their story told in the way that best serves them? What yeah. have you seen? Well, I'll be- yeah, I'll begin with, with, first of all, there are a lot of untold stories mm. because you need some power and impact in society for your story to be heard. So these people have an opportunity to, to tell their story and, and someone else can learn from that. So the, the, the impact for, for the community actor, I call the community actor, is that um, uh, they, they have stature they have an opportunity for an untold story because the hegemony uh, uh, may not sort of make space for these stories of people coming from like uh, poorer neighborhoods uh, to be told and, and, and their opportunity to get center stage. Uh, but at the same time as telling a story, the narrative is only one part. The other part is the empowerment. Here I am. I'm on the stage. So I have the opportunity for you, say, the mayor of the city or a congressman or someone, sit in my in the audience and listen to me for a change. Now, I'm doing it. Not, and It's not just a, a, a story. It's art. So... So my job as as a as a, uh, a person who knows theatre is to enable it to be good art, so that it is um, uh, appealing uh, and and uh, moving and it gets people's attention by watching it. Um, so again, working with the community theatre group for a while you will find people becoming very professional and sharing in the artistic decisions. Uh, Then again, you identify in a group. If you have a group where you, every session, there's a lot of laughing going on. You know that there's a lot of of humor in this this group and and these people can use humor to get their point across. Or if you find that, that a lot of people are musical, so you'll go in a musical direction. So you're always sensing, you know, what is this community story isn't only a, a narrative, it's also an art form. And and which is the best art form for them? And and I need to learn that from them because it's theirs. And everything has to be done in agreement, as far as I'm concerned. All the members of this cast or or group have to be in agreement about what goes on stage. And I have to agree to represent them. I could, in an extreme case, if I was employed to work with a community whose ideology I didn't agree with, I'd probably have to quit. Mm. 
regardless of whether it was lucrative or not, because I have to feel that I can share with their ideology. So, you know, if their ideology is too uh, obtuse for me or too sharp or too right-wing in my case, uh, I'd say, I'm sorry, you know, this isn't a story I can bring to the stage because I I don't identify. Mm. So would you would you consider yourself in that regards more of a objectivist are you looking to tell the sides the story of of how would it how would it what i call it both sides or multiple sides of of the of people is that where no, you're no, leaning or do you take no. the position of the oppressed or would I, i'm i i can't be objective no one can be objective uh. so i have to be uh, be able to identify with the people who want to get their story and the narrative on stage. You, you understand yeah. the difference? Mm -hmm. So to be true to myself, you know, I have to understand and accept the, the messages they want to put across. Yeah. Peter, th throughout speaking to you and then when we, we spoke previous to this, you mention you know a lot of the places that you worked and um what i picked up are these are not just your run-of-the-mill type places you do these productions you know you're not going to the local farm or the local elementary school these are places with some major conflict um these are prisons these are what many may consider extreme places what is it within yourself that that draws you to these extreme places to bring your work to these places i'm sure throughout your your 50 years you could have just gone to traditional theater or done a couple of easy things but you've chosen you've made the conscious decision to go to these 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 places what do you feel like it is within yourself you said earlier um you've wanted to share the stories of the disadvantaged yeah yeah i think um i think every story has many sides um, I have a problem with stereotyping. Uh, I think behind every stereotype, there's 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 so there's so many other things. There's like a myriad of colors and 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 things to be seen. I did this. I discovered that through the work, uh, in many respects. But you, you know, you asked me that before, and I've asked myself many times because I'm not disadvantaged. I mean, I don't come from a family with education. My parents didn't have any higher education. They they, they were out of school when they were 15 because they had to earn a living. But but I didn't come from a disadvantaged home. Um, but I, I've always had this sort of social conscience, uh, which took me to, yeah, to hardcore places. Uh, a, a lot of years working in prisons with with some very very serious uh, cases, um, and discovering there as well that I remember one one working in a women's prison, and one of the women said, "I'm not a murderer, I committed a murder," and that is the difference. So when you classify someone as one thing. No, in, under the certain circumstances she was in, she committed murder. But she isn't a murderer. And she's someone who will then 
come out of the system and get back into society and she's not a danger or a menace. But we tend to classify people as one thing or the other. Uh, when you when you go back into the, the story and the narrative, you discover the why as well. Uh, people who were innocent at one time, especially as kids, you know, uh, go through uh, certain things in life and hardships in life uh, and disadvantaged situations and parents who were inadequate and whatever. Uh, poverty, uh, ending up on the criminal side of life, not through choice, very often. So I, you know, and and I, this is like I've discovered this. I can't be one-sided anymore about anything, because I know there's always another side to the story, and I think it needs to be told. I think people aren't aware because people do tend to stereotype very quickly, very easily. Yeah. So uh, that answers your question partially, I think. Mm -hmm. And when you speak about your work in the prisons and you just gave a, an example of a, of a woman who said, you know, I'm not a murderer, I just committed murder. It seems extremely like there's many complexities that can emerge here. Can you recall uh, one of your maybe plays or, or one of your community-based theater projects that you discovered, like something really hit you, like you discovered one of these complexities? Um, is this, in myself. In yourself or in, or in another person that is involved in the project, similarly to this person who said, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a murderer, I just committed murder. Um, I can imagine that your view of humanity just changes because you're seeing people that are identified in one way based on whatever acts they've committed or however they're seen in society. But here you are seeing another side of them because you're well, engaging my, in this process with them. My, my view of humanity, as I said, has changed. As we're talking, I'm thinking back to, to when I was around 1920, I went with a friend of my parents to this club uh, in London. I used to live in London uh, where there were kids. They came from West Indies, Jamaica. There was a lot of grass being sm smoked and, and they were like, uh, you know, considered to be the the the, 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 the hardcore of, of, of life in London. And they were kids. And, and I discovered some great kids there. And I think that was a point where I started to understand that this is where I wanted to, to work. And then I worked in another place that was, um, they call it an adventure playground, where kids from the neighborhood, again, a, a, a rundown neighborhood, come and they mess around. And, and practically every day they stole my car. And they brought it back. And, and years later, I walked into a pub and I met these guys. And they said, oh, come over, Pete, let's have a drink. And they introduced me to their wives. And I and, and that was like a moment when I said, okay, these guys who were the menace of the neighborhood turned out to be, you know, stand-up guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so all these experiences, I think, you know, put together. But I will tell you um, a story that impacted me very strongly um, where... A murderer who had committed a very, very, very horrifying murder 
uh, in the process of working, we we're going into the field of dialogue theater, where where people from different groups uh, work together, and theater students were working together with these um, life sentence murderers in a prison, and we been working through things for a while and and i know that two of the guys was when they went back to their to their rooms to their cells they were thinking how are we going to confess if we don't tell the truth about ourselves we can't progress in our dialogue with these students and these students for us are society and then he and then he came out with this. He he wrote a monologue about removing masks, and then he came out with the real story about this horrific murder that he he committed, and how he regrets it every day. But it happened. And when the session ended, I didn't know I was revulsed, obviously by the deed, but I was um, I needed. To, to say something to acknowledge him for his his openness for his candidness and I, I remember walking up to him and then he opened his arms and we hugged and I took this home with me and I said you know things are not one way or the other we can have these multiple feelings for someone who He's serving his time. He's paying the price. What he's done can't be ever, ever, ever be repaired. Uh -huh. But there's a person in there too who wants to make amends. In you know, it's impossible. He never will do. But he'll have. He has one choice, two choices. One is to die, and one is to live. I've heard prisoners say, you know. If I commit suicide, then I've solved all of it. But I, I should really be doing something positive in order to make change in myself and when I finish my prison term, because life imprisonment usually means 22 years, uh, go and be a positive member of society. So that's one one story, but there are so many that I've come across. And kids who have come from really really bad homes there was one guy uh who who committed a murder during a robbery and and when we talked it it came you know i understood that his mother was uh um emotionally unbalanced and his father was a, a drug addict and he'd been abused by his uncle and he said to me i knew that i was going to explode one day and do something terrible mm. and he said when i hit that woman over the head the bubble exploded and i suddenly understood who i am and what i am and he was he said and i was just um, i just became 18 so i was tried as an adult but when you know so when you dig into stories i think that and then the stories need to be told yeah so that i think the the audience you know the community the people uh being exposed to these narratives um start to think differently and and that very often happens at the end of a community uh, performance people will come up and say I, i'd never thought you know that there's another side to the to to, to this and, and and is that the the general is that the general um 
response that you get from the community just of more curiosity um is it what describe some of the responses you've gotten from some of these these plays that you've conducted well curiosity is um is like voyeurism you know i'm curious mm -hmm. it's more people having a change in the way that they observe things the the last the last show we did at the college was students working with people with um um disabilities physical disabilities and the play was about sex and intimacy because society looks at people in wheelchairs and says well you know they're probably asexual and there's been research done a lot of research on this on how society views people in wheelchairs or with physical uh, disabilities they don't consider them to be sexual uh, uh people with passions uh and and these people walk around with a pretty negative feeling about themselves and the way they're viewed so we we had this really funny hysterical show about sexual relations um and, and you know and then people say uh, people in the audience also people with disabilities in the audience say great i'm glad you brought this out because it's taboo to speak about sex and disability so the idea is to break taboos yeah. and yes the 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 audience is very often and i think it's important for the participants too i mean the students obviously who aren't exposed to these things and the participants on both sides uh to become uh, a, a part of general society without these differentiations you know labeling you know, you're disabled i'm able to uh, the the the, the, the the expression today is is differently abled yeah because we're all differently abled and and the students say well you know I, i'm i'm disabled too in many ways but not not visibly uh you know when they tell their story or or, or how they relate to things or how their community relates to the same sort of uh, ideas and that's the kind of dialogue that that I'd like to be going on yeah yeah, well, I really love that. I, I really love the fact that you're tackling pieces. It seems like uh, people that are oftentimes kind of considered invisible, you know? Exactly. People that, um, I remember years back, someone um, spoke to me about ableism, and it was the first time right. I heard of it. And uh -huh. it opened up a whole new world to things, like you said, that I didn't think of. I didn't think of, oh, I go in this train station every day, and I just go up the stairs, but there's no ramp. So how does the person with the wheelchair get up here? Or, yeah. you know, you may want to go to a festival and dance around. Is that accessible for people that have stilts or amputees or people that are blind, you know? So we, we don't, some of these people we don't think of, and I just, I just think it's pretty remarkable that you're tackling these, these subject matters, especially taboo subject matters. So um, I'm just kind of remarking at that because that, that seems like that would be an amazing play. Well, we, um, we're going to take a short commercial break. Um, I hope everyone is enjoying this conversation with Peter Harris. When we come back, we're going to dip a little deeper into his current work that he's conducting and um, how the growing conflict is, is uh, affecting his work. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. All Power to Developing. We'll see you right after this short commercial break. Hi. 
Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts to build a better world. If you like what you hear, please follow and share the series. You can find us on Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas. Like everything at the Institute, the growth of all power to the developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it. We hope you're one of them. Thanks for your support. And now back to our conversation. Power to the developing. We are back, back, back with Peter Harris here. Um, so far, man, this has been such an exciting um, podcast. I think I shared with you that me personally, I used to be involved in a lot of community-based theater. So you're kind of giving words and expression to what I was experiencing. So as much as this is going down memory lane for you, this is kind of going down memory lane for me too a little bit. Um, I would like to speak about your 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 current work with the Western Galilee College in, in Israel and uh, how you got into that work working with uh, the university-based students. And also, um, you know, you like me a lot about the demographic of Israel and um, where people are located and, and why you chose to, to work with this particular group. Could you share a little bit of that also? Okay, so I today I've, for the past ten years I've been working at Western Galilee College. Before that, I was at Tel Aviv University, which is a completely different story. Western Galilee is the Israeli periphery, and as uh, Israel has twenty um, percent of the Israeli population, a little more is not Jewish, uh, belonging to Arab culture, Arabic culture, um, Muslims, Christians, Druze, Bedouins. Uh, all having different uh, approaches to to their nationalism and how they how they define themselves w- within the structure of of this Israeli society, Western Galilee is fifty fifty. So we're like half and half uh, Arabic culture and Jewish culture, and so is the college, and so is the theater studies department, which I am a part of. Uh, which means that even if not by design, we are dealing with the dialogue uh, between, or a meeting point between uh, the Arab speaking community, Arabic speaking community, and the Hebrew speaking community, as it were. Um, Israeli Arabs or Israeli nationals who are Arabs will define themselves in different ways. Some will say I'm a Palestinian Israeli. Some will say I'm an Arab Israeli Palestinian. Is another will say I'm an Israeli Druze. Uh, I'm a Bedouin Muslim Israeli. I'm a Muslim Bedouin Israeli. It, like everyone, uh, it, these these um, identities are very complex in that respect. Also, another thing that needs maybe to be said is that. Um, the Jewish population of Israel, because Israel is, is, is a new state, it was it was given statehood by the UN in 1948. Um, 
70% of Jews came from Arabic countries, Arab-speaking, Arab culture, and they were there for hundreds of years and even more. North Africa, uh, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, the Yemen. So uh, they come from an Arabic Jewish culture. So there are many it's many intricacies to to Israeli society, and then you have uh, people who are religious, God fearing, and you have people who are secular. They will both be they can be Jews, they can be Arabs, they can be Christians. Uh, they just it's their choice, you know, if they are religious and God fearing or just secular people. So we have all that in our college, and in, in, and. And, and we're concerned with that at every point. So y even in, in, in a class that's dealing with Shakespeare, uh, someone may say, I, I'd like to uh, do my Shakespeare monologue in Arabic. Or uh, this conflict of Romeo and Juliet is something that we may be dealing with because is it possible for me, a Muslim woman, to fall in love with a Jewish guy? And what would be the repercussions? So anything we do practically in theater department uh, impacts on these issues. Um, we do contact in improvisation. And contact improvisation is uh, an improv movement dance form where people climb on top of each other, roll on top of each other, and in contact physically with one another, which doesn't happen in, a, in, in most academia. Um, and then we also uh, uh, deal with every two or three years, we do a, a piece uh, of devised theater um, dealing with the relationship between Arabs and Jews in the college, in the country, in general, uh, and that can be volatile. Um, it, it's like it works on two levels. One level is we've all become good friends. And the other level is if we start talking about where you live is where my grandparents had to evacuate in 1948 because there was a war and they were afraid they'd be massacred or there were atrocities and and then we start talking about whose pain is greater than whose uh -huh. so the, the jews might bring up the holocaust which is a major contributor to the to the creation of the state of israel uh, and say you know six million jews died in the holocaust uh, and we've got nowhere to go back to, or had nowhere to go back to in Europe, and, and Israel was like a refuge. Uh, and the UN ratified Israel and said, yeah, okay, this will be a Jewish state. And then someone else will say, yes, but my family were living here for hundreds of years. So, you know, so I, there's a lot of pain behind that and, and, and all the wars that have happened since and so on. So the theater space is a space which becomes safe in the respect that we're allowed to share our feelings. We're allowed to agree to disagree. 
we're allowed to understand that there is no ideal solution, but we're living together. And because we've developed this love for each other, because we've been doing contact improvising and we've been doing movement together and we, I've been your actor and you've been my director, which is working together. Um, this complexity of how we relate to one another uh, is a part of, of, of the complexity of relations between Arabs and Jews in this country altogether. 50% of medical staff in hospitals are from Arab culture. So uh, hospitals are kind of a, an idyllic community where people are just about saving lives. You'll ask me later on about what's happening at this moment in time with the war going on. Um, so I'll, I'll save that. But we have had times of, of unrest. And then it's very difficult for an Israeli who has Palestinian roots and maybe family in Palestine or in Gaza to, to not feel terrible about what's happening on that side of the border. Whereas he'll, he or she may be identifying with friends who are serving in the military and in danger of, of whatever, yeah. uh, who happen to be Jews. So it becomes very complex. Uh -huh. uh, but we uh, let these things come up. I mean, with, we don't know how we're going to deal with this present situation right now yet, but we have had some hairy situations and we've managed to get through them. Um, I think for men, most of the um, Arabic-speaking Palestinian uh, community of Israel, they, they are a part of everyday life. People work together, study together, even though they may live in different settlements, different villages, um, and and in some places, like in the cities, they do come into more contact in everyday uh, living. And in other areas, the more um, uh, agrarian areas, uh, they tend to be each each village has its own characteristics. But especially when they come into college after the first few months or the first year, they become one group. Uh, and then they're asking questions about ident identity. Uh, Arab Israelis have two languages they have to live by. Oh. And Jewish mm -hmm. Israelis only have to have Hebrew. Everyone speaks, everyone has English because ac the ac academia here requires everyone to have English. So, so there's a real complexity about how things are and, and feelings like talking about the situation right now because um, missiles from Gaza have been coming to the Tel Aviv area. We've had air raids and alarms and we have to go into strong rooms and so on. So my Arab, Arab Muslim students from the north and colleagues have offered us refuge. <laughs> because that is the kind of relationship that overcomes the 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 conflict. Yeah. It for you, Peter, you know, it seems like a lot of your work is based off unfortunate unfortunately some of this this trauma, some of these things. When these these um before this conflict, this current one that's happening right now, you said that at times 
things would happen that would intensify and then it would die down and then things would happen again that would intensify and then die down when things do intensify is that for you like fuel for these projects or how do you view them how does it affect you in in that creative process or does it affect you in that creative process i assume it i have to assume it does yeah i think initially it would be more of a worry mm-hmm. is how do we handle this situation how do we not only in the terms of theater department but as a community college community that shares a study space where people have emotional uh, attachment to to either side of a conflict yeah. so before it fuels the creative process it's a question of how do we just get back to remembering that before the this happened we actually were classmates and we collaborated and we visited each one each other's homes sometimes and you know and we went out for coffee together um and that the future requires that if we continue that we get back to that then if we can handle this in the theater space um it gives people an opportunity to offload first of all to listen to each other to understand the pain i'll give you examples you know in the north in lebanon we have hezbollah they're an extremist uh, muslim group who have been shelling the north of Israel. The first victim to be killed was the cousin of a student, Muslim student. The first victim was a Muslim. So, you know, she she's like grieving her cousin. The other side of the border aren't concerned whether the victim was Muslim or Jewish. Mm-hmm. They're fighting a, a, a jihadi war. Um, and and she keeps sharing with me that she, she's really involved in the peace process and in, 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 in collaboration. And she's a, an amazing woman. She says, like, you know, where are we going from here? She's completely devastated. Um, and then uh, one of our students who is a, an older man who came to study theater to realize his dream his son was in the armed forces and was killed now we're going to have to be sharing all of this so i think you know we need to be telling a story of our mutual pain because we're not going to resolve the larger picture we lived well together beforehand as human beings in I'm talking about us in in the college in the theater department I can't speak for for the rest of the country and um all of our staff the the department staff we have the we're having these sessions now of of you know how do we help the students through it and help ourselves through it uh so so this is a major issue and we think back two years ago when we also had some upheavals 
and we managed to get through it. And we were actually in the middle of a production process. And 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 there were questions about whether we can continue because this this production, uh, in one part of it, it juxtaposed the Nakba, which is which is the a catastrophe for the Muslims, uh, the Arab population, when the state was created and many of them left their homes, and the Holocaust on the other side. So there were dialogues and monologues by Jewish students and Arab students, and together putting them on stage. And then there was concern about, you know, can we actually stage this? And what's the audience going to say? But we did it. They agreed. They came back to college and they said, yeah, okay. We've 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 argued this whole thing out. We've calmed down. We've hugged each other because we love each other. And now let's get on with the show. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, reality is that we have to carry on in our little bubble you know talking about the the global picture and and the whole middle east but in our little bubble is 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 um, a situation i think that's what art does as well and theater is is where we see each other for who we are as people Uh and and we like the people we're with because they're humane people so we have to detach ourselves from from the other questions, um, maybe that is the message of of doing art together, is that this is a place where we can collaborate because we're using a different platform f- for our discussion. It's not a, a political, ideological, uh, nationalistic platform. It's a platform of art. Yeah, relating to each other in a different way to, to accomplish something different. Yeah, I, I always say that we adopt a new uh, chari- uh, characterization. We are actors. Yeah. We're performers. Yeah. So let's put aside what we were before, and 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 then we can accept each other's on on this level. Thank you, thank you so much for sharing that. That's um definitely a a, a very a different perspective, a different way of looking at things that I think definitely helps in the development of, of your, your students in terms of developing and development. You just kind of give an example of a young lady who, you know, suffered something so tragic, but wanted to push forward. What have you been seeing in terms of developing in your students? Your students are, are in this conflict, but making similarly to you making a decision to engage in this process. And, and work together to create these. What What are some of the things that you have seen in your your students that amaze you? And you say, "Wow." Well, we haven't uh, opened the academic year in Israel yet. Mm, okay. It's been postponed already two months. Uh, one, first of all, certain areas are under threat. But uh, also many of the uh, young men are in in reserve duty, okay. so so they won't be the universities will be half empty. Um, we've had Zoom meetings with our students, uh, most of whom want to get back to studying and doing theater together. Uh, we have some who are um, fearful 
I think, less of one another and more of the situation. Like one student said, I'm, I'm afraid to leave the house. I'm afraid to be away from my safe room because if there's a missile attack, what am I going to do? Although, you know, things go on. Kids are back in school. Um, everyone's aware and careful and hopefully has a shelter nearby where they can hide if there is a missile attack. It's it's sporadic. It's not like all the time anyway. <clears throat> but some students are, are, are definitely um, anxious. Mm -hmm. And some people are anxious. You know, some people in this country haven't left their homes for two months because they're afraid to go outside. Um, so some may be concerned about... Um, some even even express the feeling of maybe I'm physically threatened by coming back into an area where the, we are enemies to one another. But I but <clears throat> that's kind of in our department at least with meeting with our student, we've each member of our staff has has had telephone conversations with a group of students. We've like we're mentoring students before we get back. <clears throat> And the discussions have been good. I mean, they're concerned, they're worried, they're upset. They've maybe uh, suffered personal mishaps, but they want to get back. And I think that with that desire to get back, uh, we'll over we'll overcome. I mean, we'll we'll get we'll move on. Yeah. And we'll create yeah. and we'll do stuff. And it seems like that's what you've kind of always been doing, despite. The drama, despite the conflict, despite the turmoil. In a way. In a way, yes. Continue to create. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us for this episode of All Power to the Developing. Um, before we kind of start wrapping up, war is something that is not uncommon. Um, the Palestinian-Israeli uh, conflict is probably the most publicized war, but um, gunfire rings in uh many countries around the world, unfortunately, um, here in the United States. Several states are having lots of high crime problems from Baltimore to St. Louis to the Atlanta uh, County area. Um, several people live in violent situations. People live in quote-unquote war zones, food disparity, trauma, divorce, uh, poor schools. What advice did you would you have for someone that maybe wanted to bring community-based theater to their neighborhood, to their local school, to their local college, to their local community center? Um, what are some things that you've taken away from your 50-year career that maybe you would want to tell someone? Well, first of all, I'd say do it. Um, don't be afraid. I mean, sometimes it's scary. Uh, when people get into a space, Augusto Boal, who was a theater director of a Brazilian, called it the aesthetic space. It's a space where <clears throat> memory uh, um, memory and imagination function. And when people get into a space and it becomes a safe space through exercises and talking and dynamics and, and moving together, um, these issues can be dealt with. It can be heard, can be listened to. And I think that's essential. I think it's essential to get people who are <clears throat> rivals into the space together. I mean, could be uh, uh, people who are uh, on on the 
uh, verge of of criminalization and and police even mm-hmm. uh, definitely countries that have had conflicts uh, and maybe the conflicts are partially resolved but there's a lot of animosity still going on in the space but you need to have the right people um facilitating these these sessions there should be people who um are artists but artists who are not there for their own art and ego but to enable other people to make their art and tell their story but i'd say you know as much as possible because making theater together is about listening collaborating working together you it won't work if you don't you know if you want to get 15 people on stage if they're not into working together to making the thing work so that someone else can watch it and maybe have new thoughts then it won't work so the collaborativeness of making theater together is is powerful so when people are, are agree to come into this process be in the space and work on it eventually they'll become a group with a mission and they'll collaborate to make it succeed and there's always the part of yeah we've done this and people are clapping people are saying wow you know and we're glad you put this on stage we laughed and we cried and it made us think and 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 good good for you which is what theater is and you know in the end is people on stage making other people respond so i'd say you know as much as possible that's my what i'm trying to do and what i've done in workshops in different parts of the world is to try and get this idea across and with my students for so many years who were going out with this uh, tool uh to work in communities and 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 get people's narratives across great thank you so much for sharing that I think that's such a um word of encouragement that many people are going to appreciate. Lastly, before we let you go, this podcast is named All Power to the Developing because we really want to give power to people around the world who are helping with development, helping develop people. When you hear the that term or that wor- that that those groups of words together, All Power to the Developing, what does that mean for you? but well, i think we we if we don't develop we stagnate stagnation is death so we need to be developing so that's why all power to the developing is just think forward and 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 think of developing and think of developing also includes the idea of improving making something better than it was before so that's where it connects i think to to our conversation and to to our shared way of thinking i guess yeah yes thank you so much peter harris if people would like to people would like to learn more about your work watch some of your your plays that you have available on youtube um where are some places people could go to learn a little bit more about you when well, i've got i've got a youtube channel is peter harris um google me but most of my google is in hebrew um and then um facebook i'm open to people like messaging me and i'm uh, i'm happy to share at any time 
Um, there are some articles I've written in English in, in a few different publications that would pop up probably on Google. All right. And I'm, I'm available. I'm available. He's available and he's ready. He's all ears and he's ready to talk too. He has you heard on All Power to Develop. And through PTW too. Yes. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode with Peter Harris. We would love to know what you think about the episode. You can write to us at podcast at eastsideinstitute.org. I repeat, podcast at eastsideinstitute.org. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you think of the episode. And we would love to read your response on the air. All Power to Developing is available on all major platforms from Google Podcasts to Apple Podcasts to Spotify and more. Please comment, follow, like, and subscribe. And we're going to continue this vibe rolling and growing into the new year. All power to the developing. Thank you so much, Peter Harris. And until next time. All power to the developing was made possible in part by Growing Social Therapeutics, the Baylor Wolf Fund.